That was beautiful. Just letting it wash over me. Y'all are awesome. <sighs> Little trivia question for you. In 1949, Claudette Colbert injured her back and was unable to star in this film that was nominated for 12 Academy Awards and won Best Picture. What film was it? Did someone say Gigi? <laughs> That's actually really funny. <laughs> Claudette Colbert as Gigi. No, All About Eve. Ah, All About Eve. Won in 1950 for the uh, Academy Award of 1949. Another trivia question for you. We, uh, what was the first animated feature to be nominated for Best Picture Academy Award? I heard it out there. No, Beauty and the Beast, 1994. Oh, you're, you're pretty good, pretty good. We need to have more fun. Uh, as a community, I have concerns that we're not only, uh, that we, we, we don't put enough emphasis on having a good time together. And I wonder if we've forgotten or ignored the fact that we can actually do this. <laughs> now, I, I know, <laughs> end of sermon. Just do it, yeah. Um, I know that you'll say that um, we do so much social justice work together and that's fun, but what I want to try and do is draw a distinction between the affirming satisfaction that comes from making a meaningful and lasting contribution to the world and having giddy, unbridled, and totally unimportant fun. In the first place, the last time I checked, most people refer to what they do around social justice as work. Hmm? I have never heard someone say, we should be doing more social justice fun. <laughs> the efforts that go into social justice in this congregation and in other communities, it, it requires tough conversations, getting to know the issues, learning how to work together, and learning how to show up. A perfect example is the, the energy with which the community has invested in the work of exploring white supremacy and race. This is awesome. This work not only does great good in the world, but it helps people to be connected and it helps people stay vital in their communities and in their worlds. Social justice work is essential and beautiful, and I don't want to see that end or change. But to me, it's not really fun. The question becomes then, how do we each define fun? Just like spirit or faith, the definition of fun is something that is completely individual and unique. And I wonder also, though, is there some aspect of it that is somehow universal? I think there is something that separates the purposeful from the fun. When I was 16 years old, I had a friend who was a little dangerous, actually, 
and at that time not necessarily in possession of the greatest set of filters or judgment about life choices. He was 18. He smoked a lot of pot. He played soccer and introduced me not to pot. After all, I was a good little boy. But he introduced me to a phrase that I still repeat to myself this day. Life is play. Mm. Life is play. That is also awesome. In that simple statement, this young hedonist <laughs> uh, reminded me, and it reminds me today still, that no one has to teach children how to play. It is instinctive and inborn, with or without toys, or electricity, or parents, or food, or even running water. Life for children is play. My early education was actually based on this principle. In my early education in New York City, our playtime was a crucial part of our learning process. In that playtime, we learned how to socialize and relate to our peers. We learned how to imagine and create. And above all, we learned how to laugh. We learned the difference between laughing at someone and the difference of laughing with someone. We learned about including others and sharing. We learned so much. And I have to wonder sometimes, where did that go? When did life stop being play? Now, personally, I know I work too hard. I struggle with boundaries around time and communication, and eventually, I think I will strike the right balance so that people feel like they have enough of me in their lives to truly depend on me. But for now, it's a bit of a hodgepodge. That results in days when I get home and my brain is actually so tired that I can't think. But do not fret. I will not overwork myself. I will not head over the cliff of ill health. I did that repeatedly two careers ago, and I learned that lesson well. When something hurts, I stop. I have no shame about that. The other thing is I actually do have a secret guilty pleasure, and it sustains me and has done so for the last 20 years. Figure skating. <laughs> now, a few of you know about my skating. I've mentioned it in passing. But I'm pretty careful to keep it as part of my life that belongs entirely and exclusively to me outside of work and even outside of my family. I started skating in 1996. I got myself a coach and got pretty good within the first couple of years, despite a couple of bad injuries that laid me up for most, most of 1998 and 99. When I lived in Los Angeles after 9-11, I picked things up again, and I got a very high-level coach who helped me get into a few of my double jumps as well as my axle jump. Mm. <laughs> I got to be a good skater. I have a dear friend that I've known for most of that time who I met just because of skating, and we, we get on the phone and we talk about skaters and costumes and coaches and scoring for hours. 
I've recently been sending him clips of my efforts to get back my double loop, which I landed successfully last week. Thank you. And it has nothing whatsoever to do with church. <laughs> it feels glorious. Another trivia question for you. Who was the 1986 world champion in women's figure skating? Anybody? Someone Russian? <laughs> nope. Oksana Bayul. Ugh, no. Oops, sorry. Debbie Thomas. Only African-American woman and only woman of African descent other than Thai Babylonia, who was world champion uh, in pairs in 1979 with uh, Randy Gardner. So when people see me skate, even though I started as an adult, they often ask if I ever competed. There are adult competitions for people who, like me, started in their 30s. And they're just as competitive as the younger ranks, but I've never competed. At one point, I started learning all the moves and footwork and requirements to compete. I joined the U.S. Figure Skating Association and joined the All-Year Figure Skating Club. That's Michelle Kwan's Figure Skating Club, by the way. And then I realized that that's no fun. <laughs> for me, figure skating has always been a joy. It has always been a moment for me to capture something that I missed in my childhood. Do I push myself really, really hard on the ice? Oh, the bruises and the sprains um, are the proof of that. Am I doing it for anyone other than myself? Absolutely not. I skate for me because it's my favorite feeling and because, gosh darn it, it's just fun. <laughs> so when I get on the ice, life is play. There's no one telling me that my sit spin needs to be lower in order to feed people or that my camel spin needs to be faster to prevent someone's deportation. The satisfaction is pure and it doesn't, doesn't even make sense for me to bring in any aspects of my work world or work life into it. Another trivia question for you. How many triple jumps did Dorothy Hamill need in order to win the 1976 Olympic medal? Yes, you're learning zero. She needed no triple jumps whatsoever. She won with all doubles. She had triple jumps, so there's a triple toe and a triple salco. Pretty impressive. But what about those places in our lives where the line between work and fun is purposely blurry? In a few hours, the 90th Academy Awards will kick off. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel will take the stage, and Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty will announce Gone with the Wind as Best Picture. <laughs> For those, <laughs> those of you who don't get that joke, Gone with the Wind won Best Picture in 1940. And last year, Warren and Faye, who were reunited as presenters and known in the film industry for their roles in the 1967 Best Picture nominee, Bonnie and Clyde, they announced the wrong winner. The Best Picture Award is the final award of the evening, and basically it's the climax of everything that has been building from the red carpet all the way through the other awards and the dance numbers. When Faye blurted out La La Land, it changed film history. The actual Best Picture was Moonlight. 
and the ensuing kerfuffle on stage and afterward brought on a multitude of finger-pointing and blaming, shaming, based on everything from Warren and, and, uh, Warren and Faye's age and their poor eyesight to the Price Cooper's Waterhouse representative tweeting when he should have been paying more close attention to the envelope he handed Beatty, to cries of subtle racism for favoring La La Land, which was perceived as a white movie, over Moonlight, which was perceived as a black movie. This was not fun. Another trivia question for you. What venue was the Academy Awards ceremony held in, in which the first African American won an acting award? What was the venue? No. The Ambassador Hotel. That was 1940, Hattie McDonald as supporting actress. And the Ambassador Hotel was segregated at the time. Hattie McDaniel had to sit at a table in the back. My friend Gary Natoli has been one of the leading stage managers in the television industry for close to 40 years. Starting with the Tony Awards in the 1980s and then working on multiple Olympic opening ceremonies, VMAs, Grammys, etc., he has been the lead stage manager on the Academy Awards for at least the last 10 years. Last year was arguably the worst night of his entire Academy career. What's interesting to me, though, is that I met Gary when we were kids. We were both in the Framingham summer shows back in the 1970s, and we met during a production of Annie Get Your Gun. With Nancy Travis, actually, also in the chorus. Weird, small world. We were both fairly good dancers, and we were given dance specials to do. My specialty was doing the Russian jump splits. <laughs> Don't ask me to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Gary did really, really fast turns. In any case, I remember very clearly that the shows that we did uh, were so much fun. I mean, Gary and I were both performers, or, or sometimes he was directing as we got a little bit older, or I was music directing. And you know what? We were both doing it because it was just fun. And when I see the still pictures from last year and the ashen and completely distraught expression on his face as he's talking to the presenters and the film producers and everyone is surrounding him on stage, horrified at the gaffe, I think, gee, that's not fun at all. <laughs> that's not what Gary wanted by being in the entertainment business. Let's all pray that things go better this time around. Another way that the Oscars can be no fun at all, for some people at least, is in the political statements that actors make. Now, don't get me wrong. If I had continued in the performing arts, it would be impossible to shut me up. <laughs> I actually applaud the fact that actors and media professionals are willing to put themselves into the dialogue on any number of issues from world peace and genocide to sexual abuse and greed. They have the public ear. Clearly, entertainment is the breeding ground for some of our future, future politicians. Yet, I also have to wonder, what do we lose? What kind of boundaries do we want to see around our entertainment as a place of escape and fantasy? 
The fact that a movie like Black Panther should not have to be a big deal in the conversation about race. But it is, because Hollywood is and has been completely racist for 100 years. Another trivia question for you. How many Academy Awards has Halle Berry been nominated for? Oh, that's wishful thinking. Only one. And she won. <laughs> Best Actress, Monsters Ball, 2002. But the racism is not just against blacks. The marginalization is against every kind of non-white, non-traditionally abled, non-cisgender person there is. Without getting into a lengthy dissertation on the history of film in the United States, it is clear that the standards that were established for Hollywood helped support segregation, objectification, fetishization of marginalized populations. It is completely natural in our time of cultural awakening, awakening and revolution that they would become a focal point of protest and statement. On a certain level, we have to accept this. But I do just kind of want to watch a movie and have some fun. I was able to do this when I saw Black Panther last week. I think it may be the first time I've ever been to a movie and I wasn't waiting for some stereotype to appear or someone's comment within the movie to make a clumsy point about the black character's race. No one was hypersexualized or raped. It was just a darn good story, very well told. It was fun, and it was unapologetically and overwhelmingly black. Hallelujah. <laughs> Next week, I think I'm going to speak about Black Panther in another context, so I'll save my deeper comments for that. But what I want you to take away from today is that I think the way I felt in Black Panther is the way I want us to feel about having fun in our community. It shouldn't have to be a big deal that we're doing it. We shouldn't need an agenda to do it. The idea of being able to have fun together should be completely normalized for us and I'd like to invite folks to start thinking of more, and importantly, acting on creative ways to make that a reality. Another trivia question for you. Shirley MacLaine lost the Best Actress Academy Award in 1961 to what other actor? Audrey Hepburn's back. No! No, that was 64, 65. <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor for Butterfield 8. Who knew? So I've been tossing out these bits and pieces of trivia throughout this message because I like trivia and I think a group getting together to do trivia would be awesome. Maybe it's after church someday, maybe it's on a Saturday or a weekday, midday, when folks, folks who are retired can attend. I don't know, but it could be fun. It just needs someone to step up and organize it. What about going to see a movie together after a social justice meeting? And I mean going to see something that isn't about social justice work, <laughs> but rather it's about the laughter 
What would it be like to invest in cultivating our political, uh, cultivating, sorry, cultivating our social connections with each other in addition to our political connections and passions? Maybe someone or a few people who have more resources than some of our young adults and youth could spring for a few tickets to a concert, and a group from church could go and hear some great music. There are so many ways that we can have fun together. I just think we've gotten out of the habit of believing we can do it. Last trivia question. 2014 Best Supporting Actress and Co-Star of Black Panther, Lupita Nyong'o, was born in what country? Mexico. <laughs> we must continue our important social outreach work, whether it is showing up for immigrant rights, calling legislators, or coordinating efforts to help congregants get rides to church or medical appointments. Our work is crucial. But equally important is our fun. The more we are able to laugh and enjoy each other's company, the easier it is for us to rely on one another when the crisis comes. I have a little song for you. Spirit of fun, come unto me. Move in my smile all the joys and tears of laughter, games, trips, and meals, music and art. Move me to find time to share with my companions Old friends hold me close, new ones set me free. Spirit of fun, come to me, come to all. May it be so. <laughs>